Podcast, a podcast offering discussions and tutorials on nerdy subjects for people who aren't necessarily nerdy themselves. With you doing myself as your nerdy Judy George, and with me here today, the mistress of yarn, my mom. Hey. So, we have a new topic here this week, because you requested it last week, and I think it's only fair that this will probably take us three weeks to do, in all honesty. I'm excited. So... We're going to be talking about The Mandalorian, and the obvious homework for this is going to be Season 1 and Season 2. Um, now, you can only watch this on Disney+, Plus. so if you don't have a subscription to Disney+, Plus, they offer like trial versions of it, so you could use that if you wanted to. Um, but most, almost all the new Disney stuff that's going to be coming out, um, when it's not coming out in theaters, or it's not coming out on the Disney Network, or the Disney... TV channel on cable, most likely is going to come out on Disney Plus. So again, like that's going to include um, WandaVision and a lot of the new Marvel stuff that's coming out here as well. Because um, mm -hmm. there's also TV shows related to uh, Miss Marvel, uh, The Falcon, and, and The Winter Soldier, um, and a number of other um, Marvel property stuff. Um, How much is Disney Plus? I believe it's. I like, pulled out the phone. I believe it's fourteen ninety nine a month. Okay, so it's so it's an, because because I have to say we we now have cable for the first time, like since you were, ten, and um. We had it before I was ten. I didn't even know. We had well, it may even have been before that. We 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 turned off cable when, MTV became a big thing because. We didn't want you guys watching MTV when we weren't home. I. Again, I admittedly didn't even know we had cable at any particular point. I would have we never... did. So you grew up in a house, well, and it may have been even earlier than that, but you, you basically grew up in a house without cable. Oh, my apologies. Um, it is twelve ninety nine a month Okay. Um, to get both Hulu, Disney, and ESPN+. Plus. If you're just looking for Disney+, Plus, that's just six ninety nine a month. Too cool. Okay, I can, I can, so, I can swing. Yeah. Because, because where I was going with this is, we now have cable, and we're still having a hard time finding things to watch. We were on Netflix last night, which you know Netflix actually offers a lot. We just have to remember that we have access to that because mm -hmm. we're old. And um, and we were watching The Crown. How are you enjoying The Crown? It's it's interesting. It'd be it'd be even more interesting if you understood how much was was fact and how much was fiction. Okay. Because because they're having to create conversations that would have taken place in a private room and nobody would have seen. Mm -hmm. But um, but it is relatively historically accurate. It is it is in a lot a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Like period. Very much a period piece costume. Um, oh, worth it for the wardrobe just to wear watch Princess Margaret. Oh yeah. Worth it for wardrobe alone. Um, but um, you know, and we're in the early we're we're in like the still finishing out the 1950s. Yeah, so you're still just like in season one right now. Yeah, but um, but enjoying it quite a bit. Good, good, yeah. Um, okay, so again, uh, Mandalorian, two seasons, so we'll spend this uh, next week here, we'll come back and we'll do season one, and then after that we'll do season two. I am looking forward to this, because do you know how many times I've been asked to crochet a mini baby Yoda? Yoda? Yes. The little figures. That'll, that'll come into play here. But Will we, it? Yes, but we won't talk about Baby Yoda until next week because um, okay, because there's a lot more to going going on there, and I want to kind of preface this a little bit by trying to actually speak about the Mandalorian um, themselves, actually. So, 
Um, the Mandalorian is actually a not necessarily the name of the character, although he's called Mando. Um, oh yeah, no, no, I've, I've, I've seen various crochets of it. <laughs> I've also been asked, asked to crochet Bernie. Oh yeah, but I mean, like, God, that's a great picture of Bernie. Um, so the Mandalorians are a race, or are not necessarily a race, but a collection of individuals that come from the planet of Mandalore and are warriors uh, in the best sense possible. Now, do we meet one in, in Star Wars, like movie five? Isn't, isn't he one of the bounty hunters for, for Luke? Or not for Luke, for, for so, yeah, so that Yeah, so that was kind of the interesting take here today, because rather than going starting from the past and working our way up to the current, we actually have to start from the current and work backwards. Yeah. So Okay. Um, I'm so, sorry, I'm not meaning to ruin it for you. Oh, no, 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 no. You've got the right idea here, though. So, yes, yeah, so we do see um, a Mandalorian in the sense of Bubba Fett. Okay. So Bubba Fett is this weird and interesting character in Star Wars lore. Because in the first movie, he shows like in all of the in the all Define the, first movie. Are we talking movie four? Oh, okay, so he he technically shows up in movie four if you watch the special edition, but he really doesn't come into he doesn't actually come into play or actually is visible until episode five, uh, which is um, Empire Strikes, Strikes Back. Back. And what's interesting about this character is that he's not even on screen for five whole minutes. And he only says four lines in the entire series, and yet he's got. Yet, if you were to get onto a onto a, a top ten list, he's usually like at least number nine, in number ten, nine, eight, and sometimes higher. Okay, so so what's interesting, and I'll tell you why I think that is, mm -hmm. is because there's a lot you can do with the idea of a bounty hunter. Oh yeah, um, in space. Well, not only is it it's a bounty hunter in space, he's got this cool kind of masked look where he's like... He's got a cool, cool spaceship. That spaceship's kind of cool. Because you do see that. In, oh, yeah. In, the, space, the spaceship is kind of cool as well. And again, what's interesting about this character, and I think what happens with a lot of um, silent protagonists especially, is that it's a vehicle to allow people to put upon their own thoughts and feelings onto a character that may not actually be what the character is actually doing or thinking in a lot of cases. This is where fan pages, because I've gone on to fan pages on a couple of our other topics, mm -hmm. um, where um, fanfic. Fanfics, yes. Okay, so I've gone into fanfics for a couple of, of uh, topics and then have found them on Jane Austen threads. Mm -hmm. So there are fanfics on Jane Austen for Jane Austen tales that take things all sorts of places too. Oh no, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Fanfics go all. Fanfics are so they're across the, genre. Oh yeah. And and um, it almost be worth having a topic just on fanfic, um, because there are all sorts of of stories developed out of other people's interpretations, and what I liken it to. Mm -hmm. is what we did last week with, with uh, or the week before with Wonder Woman, where we kind of suggested other storylines for the movie that we saw, mm -hmm. where we took it other places. Yeah, or we just... And that happens, we envisioned, yeah. Yeah, and that happens quite a bit, in all honesty. I mean, there's a lot of people... Um, a very good example of this is actually in comic books, where a lot of the people that are now writing in comic books were fans of the material well beforehand. Again, and I think one of the more, the one of the more famous versions of that was 
um, the guy who created the guy who is the one of the current um, people in charge of Sonic the Hedgehog. So because again, the guy one of these guys created a comic that again created an online comic for Sonic the Hedgehog, um, and Sega liked his artwork so much that they gave him free reign to make a comic to make an official Sega comic on Sonic the Hedgehog that would eventually replace the Archie comics. And he's the guy that like said, you know, he's now the guy at the end of the day that says like, this is who Sonic the Hedgehog is, or these are the characteristics of Sonic the Hedgehog. Even so much that when they were, have, when the first set of trailers came out for the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, they ended up having to redo a lot of the material and they brought him in to help with that because they wanted to re, because again, everyone kind of collectively saw Sonic. It was just like, No. no. It is a little different version of, of Sonic. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it, I get it. I mean, but I think like if you were to if you were to put this Sonic the Hedgehog against what was like the '90s version of Sonic the Hedgehog, they'd be pretty consistent. Well, and the the nice thing about having a fan who who loves the character rather than having a really good artist that that does other storylines, is that he's true to the character's past. Mm-hmm. To the development of the character, rather than yeah, taking it completely other places. Another good example of this is the World of Warcraft movie. Um, so Duncan Jones, which is this really kind of cool uh, director, because he's done a lot of these movies that give you kind of. Um, you ever watch Moon? No, but so Moon's this movie of um, this guy who works on the moon. He's really anxious to go back, and he's been on the moon now for the last like eighteen months, and is. Um, and his period of because you're only on the moon for up to like 18 months at a time, and then you get set back down to Earth. Okay. Because they mine the moon for minerals. Uh huh. Um, the notion being is that like he's gonna go see his, um, he's gonna go back home and see his daughter again finally, um, and then come to find out that like he's actually you know that there's a clone of him that's waiting that ready to pop open to take over for him. And he doesn't realize that he's actually a clone as well, and that this has been an ongoing cycle. Ooh, interesting storyline. Yeah, and again, it's a really cool one. Well, he did another one where. Um, so he's a clone, and and he he has real emotions and and a real life, mm-hmm. but there's somebody else taking his place while he's gone, who might have taken it in other directions. I mean, how does he how does he catch up? Well, again, no. It's it's a clone of himself that, that pops in. That right. pops in. The clones only last for eighteen months. Only last for twenty four months, and they just replace it whenever a new, whenever they need a new, whenever the clones are about to die. Oh my gosh! I know, right? Oh, that's interesting. It's, it's okay, an, I'll it's, have to see if I can find it. It's that. very interesting. Um, he did, he did another one um, with Jake Gyllenhaal, if I remember correctly, where um, Jake Gyllenhaal keeps going back in time to a subway car to stop a terrorist uh, attack on the car that kills a bunch of people. Um, and so every time Jake Gyllenhaal goes back in time, he learns something new. A little like cha- Groundhog's Day? A little kind of like Groundhog's Day, but I mean like... Um, but we should gets, be playing all over the place this weekend, by the way. We really should. Um, uh, yeah, that's such a great movie too. But he gets further along... But sometimes when he does something in there, it changes other stuff going forward as well. Butterfly effect? Yes. So, yeah, Duncan Jones made these really interesting movies at the end of the day. And um, when he when he got, when he when they were looking for a director for World of Warcraft, he was very emphatic on wanting to get that role because he plays World of Warcraft. 
and if you and if you watch the movie and you're a fan of World of Warcraft, you see them going over over Stormwind, and you're just like, oh, it's the city I've always wanted. It's so perfect, and you've got because it's all laid out properly, and everything is in the right places. Things look like they do in the game. Um, orcs are these massive, like eight foot, you know, eight foot tall creatures, where the humans are still like these five foot eight, six with, foot tall creatures. With, and do tell me, the orcs have tusks. The orcs have like tusks that are coming out of their mouth. They're they're huge and they're gnarly. Like every time I look at a warthog in 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 the wild, because they yeah. just recently came back from Uganda, mm-hmm. um, I think of orcs. Oh yeah, because no, they've got the the tusk thing going. Absolutely, and again, like. If you follow, if you watch the movie, it doesn't exactly follow the original uh, War, Warcraft one game necessarily, but it plays all the right beats. It gets you to where you need to be, and it actually does a really good job of telling this really great story. And again, if you're a big fan of World of Warcraft, you know myself included, like it's a spot on movie. It really is pretty spot See, and, and on. That, and that's what having somebody who really is in love with the with the topic is mm-hmm. really. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, the Warcraft movie didn't do very well. Um, again, a high fantasy thing is a very is a very kind of hard sell to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and the story is um, moves around very quickly from character to character. So if you're not familiar with who the characters are, like it's easy to get lost in that particular movie. Um, but I I hope that if they ever decide to make another one, that like they keep Duncan Jones, because again, he's clearly a guy that understood it and spent a lot of time. Working on it because again, I mean, like I watched that movie and I was like, "That's that's Azeroth right there." I know, I know World War. That's 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 this lower Eastern kingdoms because they've got it like spot on. Very cool. So, um, so Mandalorian, do they take it someplace where fanfic took it, or is it? Uh... So actually, what's very interesting about the Mandalorian here um, to go back to Boba Fett is that again, Mandalorian was not even a term that came up until the comic books. I was going to say, they don't call him that. No, I mean, again, keep in mind, they don't even call him Boba Fett until until um, Return of the Return of the Jedi when... Um, Mo- movie 7, if you're keeping track. 6. 6, 6, six if six, you're keeping so, track. So Return of the Jedi, like, at, one, at this point here, they finally call him by name Boba Fett. Now, he's listed as Boba Fett in the um, Empire Strikes Back movie in the in credits, the credits but, yeah. but you wouldn't know who that was unless you knew who the character what the character's well, name was yeah. um and so a lot of his own f- story and background really got fleshed out in um comics and additional uh material for star wars um and this is also where when they started describing him here they started describing his armor as mandalorian armor ah. and so that's kind of where the term that mandalorian comes from initially is mostly based off the armor um, that uh, Boba Fett wears, um, and again, it's interesting for Boba Fett because again, he's got he's in like in the in Empire Strike Back, he's there for like less than ten scenes or not even five full minutes. Yeah, he only speaks four lines, which is "As you wish." He's no good to me, dead. What if he doesn't survive? He's he's worth it. He's worth more to me. And they're they're on Lando Calrissian's. Yeah, this is all in the on uh, in Cloud City. Yeah. Uh, which is some sort of like mining town, which I don't understand. Because you don't see any mines. Yeah, and like, I guess. But that's okay. Yeah, it's okay. It's Deep Space okay. Nine was a Deep Space Nine in Star Trek is a mining bait is a big mining um, yep. space station. 
but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense why you would take why you wouldn't do the mining and processing on planet you take it up to space to do that it seems like a lot of work or I don't I don't know maybe that's, but the land's cheap I would hope so um, so originally when you look back at who Boba Fett was Boba Fett was actually originally supposed to be a commando trooper in the similar vein of the stormtroopers and so he was supposed to have kind of the he was supposed to be what it was dubbed a super trooper which is a funny term because again I think of super trooper and I think, think of the, the co- movie I think the of this cult movie that I watched in college like about a billion times with friends I remember it, taking you and your friends to it for a birthday party pro- oh, no, probably my little brother then oh oh okay yeah so yeah. one of my little brothers then because I remember okay. because well, I remember Mark Probably. Um, so yeah, he eventually what they ended up doing is they ended up rechanging the idea from this commando down to a bounty hunter, and then this is what eventually became um, Bubba Fett, and kind of also started spawning all this lore about Mandalore and the Mandalorians here. Canonically, though, when we move on forward from that, <coughs> we get to Jango Fett, who is, who again who despite being like a very kind of not major character not very much a major character in the second mo- ep- in episode 2 which is clone wars he's actually like the most important character in a lot of star uh, star star wars lore really if you think about it in a certain way so okay. if you think about it here keep in mind that um so jango fett was a full mandalorian and he was the basis for the clones in, in oh, the Clone okay, Wars. Got it, got it. Got and it. so he's the, you know, so basically it's him as the eponymous sort of characters. The master, the master warrior. The, the you know, he's so he's the so again he's all these different clones at the end of the day, which sparked this entire war that's named basically the, after his the clones. Clone Wars, so, yeah, yeah. So again, he is. If you think about it from a certain perspective here, like he is the because again they thought of him as this perfect template and even a lot of the um armor um for the clone troopers is somewhat modeled off of mandalorian armor at the end of the day because it's got that similar t t kind of shape for the for the clone troopers on there and um armor in a very similar sense yeah um so again i find that very interesting for him now keep in mind that jango fett is bubba fett's father but bubba fett himself is actually a clone of jango fett um, the only major difference being is that um, is that the clone troopers were have a gene inside them that artificially ages them quicker, so they become full adults within about a, within about two years. So they don't have any childhood; they have no fun. Well, no. I mean, they're 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 bred to be war- they're bred to be soldiers because you need a disposable army that you can slice up if you ever need to. Well, yeah, but. Again, keep in mind that was one of the reasons. I love why my inner child. I I appreciate my inner child too, but I mean, like they the childhood they did not have. No, okay. um, no. Boba Fett himself though is an unmodified clone, so he doesn't have the same aging process uh, that the original clone troopers had. Okay, so they age sooner, but do they get? Does that mean they enter? Yes. Seniorhood sooner. Um, it, uh, from the way it's been described to me and the way that it's presented in the series is that um, they go from childhood to adolescence to teenage to adulthood within the span of about two years. 
So by the time they're out there, you know, like they're like in their early twenties when they get started. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from that point on, where they age faster, but not quite as fast. So um, by the time of so uh, by the time they're fifty, they're they're old. Well, by the t- uh, in well in most cases here, by the time they're thirty, they're old. Okay. Um, because a lot of the what happens in a lot, or even sooner actually. Because um, if you assume the Clone Wars took place over the course of about seven, eight years, give or take, mm-hmm. um, when we get to another TV show called Rebels, you see a lot of the old clone uh, soldiers that are all very much in like their 60s and 70s. So the aging process, um, I would think for a lot of cases, doesn't truly slow down so much. Um but it's, it's still very much, you know, it's still very much a heightened sort of quickening sort of thing. Interesting. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like, in a lot of cases, because they shut down the cloning process after um, after the rise of the, of the Empire, they don't necessarily do a whole lot of more clones. So a lot of the remaining clones are die off after. And, they, and then they're gone forever. Yeah. So by the time of... Um, so by the time we get to like Luke Skywalker, most clones have died off by this point because of old age. Okay, so so it opens up an interesting question: How come you never cloned Darth Vader? Um, they were always um, okay. So there's a mixed there's a mixed uh, topic on this actually. So um, the Force in and of itself is not something you can necessarily clone easily, at least. Um, there's but, a, but Anakin, so so Anakin Skywalker. Mm-hmm has no lineage with with Jedi and his and he's he's described as being almost like an immaculate conception pretty much yeah so and again I mean it's um, which I always find biblically interesting uh, yeah I don't know why they went that route but again if you look at um, if you ever if you ever decide to look at Superman he is the um, um, he leaves his parents at a dying right. planet and gets raised by uh, he, Kansas he, people, but he's yeah. got, but he's got a very biblical sort of uh, Joseph sort of to- tone to him. Yeah, which is again another very biblical reference for Superman as well. Yeah, um, but again, I mean, like the Bible loves to crop itself up ever so often. Well, it it doesn't have a choice in it. It's just sort of what happens. It's, it's all it's all over. It's if you ever read ubi- Lewis Carroll and yeah. and the, the Chronicles of Narnia, the line is very definitely Christ, mm-hmm. and and so very ubiquitous. Yeah, yeah, which is a good word enough itself. We don't get to use very often. This is true. Um, so you can't clone Jedi spirit. No, but I mean, you, there's so there's a game series called The Force Unleashed, which tells the story of Darth Vader's apprentice. The, Darth Vader had an apprentice. Darth Vader had an apprentice called Starkiller. Um, it's his actual house family crest that is the uh, basis for the rebel uh, crest at the end of the day. So okay. It's kind of the swooping sort of like bird sort of thing. Yeah. Um, in, in the first game, the the character of Starkiller, which was originally what was Luke Skywalker's last name originally. Starkiller. So it was Skywalker is a much better name. Skywalker is a much better name, but the original version of his name, as penned by Luke by uh, George Lucas here, would have been uh, Luke Starkiller. Interesting. I agree. Yeah. Um, okay. So the character of Starkiller dies, and or is presumed dead by the end of the series, and then when he comes back 
in the second game, you come to learn that he's actually a clone. That this Star Killer is not the same Star Killer that was there originally. That one ha- that one has actually died, but this one is a genetic clone that's been implanted with all those old memories. But but is he a Jedi? He is. He's got. He is a. He is force sensitive and has the abilities of a force user, um, in the sense that. He has all the abilities of a Jedi, but he also shoots out Sith lightning, which is not a common trait amongst the Jedi. <laughs> okay. So uh, he's the best of. He's kind of like, yeah, he's kind of like the best of. And, and so um, when you play the second game here, like, you can you can clone. Um, you can apparently clone Force-sensitive people, but it's not an easy or it's not an easy process. It's kind of like a one in a million sort of like sort of gambles when you do that. Darth Vader is, is it a taboo topic? I mean, cause, because because you would think you wouldn't want a bunch of force sensitive people out there. Well, that was one of the things. So, like the Caminos did not make their cloning technology well known to anybody, and in fact, um, the fact that it was so lost to even the Jedi, like the Jedi didn't even know that these facilities existed at all. Um, it was actually wiped from the records. So a lot of people didn't even know these places existed or that this technology existed at all. Um, and then certainly by the time you get to um, the rise of the Empire here, they stop all cloning processes and actually uh, ban cloning as an as an activity here. That's only available to the Republic and even then, or excuse me, to the, to the Empire at this point. And even then it's like, rarely do we ever do this. We don't really actually ever do this because it's not, because you're not allowed to do it. Well, because somebody could use it for forces of evil. Precisely, yeah. And and it, it, you make your own army to take over. And, and so I get that. But what's interesting to me about this conversation is is Luke believes he's the last Jedi. Yeah. But I mean, as Star Wars mythos likes to, likes to contradict itself here, that Luke may think he's the last Jedi. There's actually a fair amount of Jedi and Force-sensitive people that are out there. They haven't developed the skill yet. Either they haven't developed the skill, or actually, what they are is there are four, they're Jedi that are in hiding. So you've got Yoda, Obi Wan Kenobi. We're all hiding. Um, but by the time you get to the Last Jedi, they're all dead. They are. There's other people that do pop up occasionally. Oh, um, you you have Ray. Ray. Oh, no, no. Again, fully trained Jedi. Oh, okay. And and I actually have one of them in here as well. Um, but no, yeah. Again, the cloning I think you would think would come up more frequently, but again. Um, the Empire really didn't want anybody else raising an army against him at all. Okay. So you get rid of cloning. Okay. It's much of the same way if we go back to Full Metal Alchemist, one of the rules is that um, you don't do human transmutation at all. The real reason that they told you not to do human... The real reason that they wanted you not to do human transmutation was because so you didn't raise an army against the government. Right. But somebody does. Oh, they do. They, they, they make their right. own clones. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Spoilers. Um, it, or unless you've watched the movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so Jingle Fett himself is a, um, again, which is interesting because again, I think there's more scenes of Boba Fett in, um, because Boba Fett in Clone Wars is actually a child, is a child. He's probably like nine, ten years old, maybe. Uh-huh. And I think he's actually got more scenes than he does when he's in the original trilogy. Or more screen time, at least, because he only actually appears in the second movie. I will say this though, you you know, the minute you say Bubba Fat, you know who he is because he, and you never see actually see his face. No, no, you never see his face. You see his head, 
Mm-hmm. And but you know who he is because whoever created that particular armor mm-hmm. was brilliant. It's very distinctive vi- and very it's much vi- visually vivid. Mm-hmm. Like you see it, you're just like as well as the spaceship. It was always one of my favorite spaceships because it's. I, th- I theorize when it comes to <laughs> come to the, comes to the Boba Fett look <clears throat> is that it's this military sort of green with like these accents of red and yellow on it. That feels vaguely... Um, 50s. No, no, no. I think what it really feels like, it feels vaguely... It feels foreign and it feels like hostily foreign. Kind of like That's a fair. Che Guevara kind of thing going on there. Or kind of like a South American sort of dictator or African sort of like warlord sort of thing. Like it, it, it's The, the red, green, and yellow are, are an interesting pair because green and yellow are kind of natural sort of like mixtures together but then you have this bright red or this or it's more of this crimson red actually yeah. that kind of like excuse it because it's not really related to either green or yellow at all so it stands it stands out really well if you if you follow color theory yeah yeah no it's it's, it's definitely vivid mm-hmm. i mean you when you mention his name what immediately comes up is that that that, that, that his t- helmet yeah, yeah that t-shaped visor helmet um and actually what's interesting too is that boba fett is actually using Jango Fett's armor. Oh, how how sweet. Sort of. Taking father with you. Yes, taking father with you and wearing him the entire time. Yeah. Um, and so, um, well, it's kind of oddly sentimental. It is. Again, if you look at uh, the two characters, actually, um, side by side, actually, to one another, you can actually see that their armors are exactly the same. Except ex- for the color. Except for the coloring. So Jango's ar- Jango Fett's armor... Um, is mostly in the original kind of steelish sort of color with blue accents versus uh, Bubba Fett who... Looks bas- rougher. Looks rougher and, <laughs> and has painted it more. It has painted yeah. it up. But again, I think yeah. what happens when you paint something, it gets scuffed up and marked up. And so that's, yeah. as a result, it gets uh, um, it gets a little bit more uglier. Bubba Fett's also got this trademark dent in his helmet. It's never well explained where it came from because, again, when you consider what the armor is... Um, which how would is, it dent? How, yeah. well, how would it ever get dented? It's, yeah. This is armor that repels lightsabers and blaster bolts. So what on earth? So, so your dented? own bulletproof jacket. Oh yeah, very much. That was one of the reasons why Mandalorians were feared across the galaxy was because they were um, nigh impervious to what you would think would be traditional sort of. Oh, this will take care of it. Because you can of. shoot a stormtrooper. Oh, yeah, you can shoot a stormtrooper. You can cut them to pieces in with lightsabers, which is a favorite thing to do in video games, is to ragdoll them and just cut them up. It's a very popular thing to do. Um, actually, did you know that that's why there were robots in the first movie? Why? So in the so in um, in in episode one of Phantom Menace, they wanted to show how the, if you were going to have a collection of people with lightsabers you wanted them to use it a whole lot more frequently you didn't want to them to use it against people because you wouldn't want to have to show dismemberment in people but you could do that for robots because robots are not really humans and you could they don't, they don't gore up they don't gore up yeah or it's not weird at the end of the day because again i mean like even even in the games like you just like you cut people up and you're kind of like well that's they unfortunate shoot. They, they shoot I mean, they would certainly blow up, blow up all sorts of. Uh, uh, they of, kill. They kill lots of people in. They kill lots of stormtroopers. A new hope. In a new hope, and in Return of the, 
in uh, Return of the Jedi, in Empire Strikes Back. They kill stormtroopers like they're like they're putties at the end of the day. Yeah. They're disposable. I mean, literally. Like, oh, I like that term, like because I know what you're referring to with putties. Yeah. Yes. So Power Rangers. Power Rangers. Um, yeah, like, and again, I mean, like they get they get killed all the time. But they don't get sliced up, and if you shoot somebody, it's a lot less gory because it's a blaster that's not really going through them at all. It's more like it's like, oh, they got shot, so they got like, you know. But I mean, there's something about putting them in the, in the white plastic suit too that that uh, that makes it seem like it's not a person. I no. mean, it, to me, it was it's really very depersonalized. It was well. really something when you saw Finn take off his helmet. Oh yeah, because that was like a big deal, and they were like. You don't take off the helmet. helmet. No, put that thing back on. Yeah. What are you, some sort of monster? Yeah. So, I mean, it, to me, it was a big thing when, when Finn took off his helmet because it, it it humanized. Oh, yeah, no, very much humanized. Yeah. Okay. You're going somewhere with this? Um, so, after Django Fett... Um, so again, so Django Fett again, depending on how you look at him, very important character in um, Star Star Wars lore. Um, after that, though, um, a lot of the a lot of what gets developed after this point is all based off of video games, comics, um, and alike from that particular point. And a lot of this is all and fanfic and fan fictions as well. Yeah. So um, famously. Um, when they went way back in time, so there's a series of games called um, the Old Republics, uh-huh. uh, pioneered by BioWare. It was a really kind of cool uh, uh, RPG in Star Wars world that took place um, about six thousand years before the events of A New Hope. Because one of the things our viewers have to remember here is that when we talk about Star Wars. Um, we talk about the timeline in Star Wars as before the Battle of Yavin and after the Battle of Yavin. Okay, well, I mean, let's let's start here. We learn when when um, I'm trying to think if it's Empire Strikes Back or or Return of the Jedi, but we learn that Yoda is 800 years old. So I'm assuming when we're going through the Mandalorian, we're going back. Nope. No. No, so the Mandalorian actually takes place five years after Return of the Jedi. Okay. You would think you would go back in time, but we don't in this well, ha- case. Be- but you have Baby Yoda. You do. I, you have a. So here's the thing that George Lucas refuses to give any sort of additional information on because he's this kind of a person. Okay. Yoda. You, the species of Yoda characters, because there's actually about a half dozen or so canonical Yoda-ish characters. Okay. Don't have a race name at all. We don't know where they come where they come from. The only thing that they get called they, they don't come from Tatooine. They, we don't no. I mean, nothing comes from Tatooine except Sand People. Okay. Which is and again, so which is very interesting because when they're presented. No, in, what's the planet he finds Yoda on? You mean this baby Yoda? No, the real Yoda. When um, Luke finds Yoda. Um, I should know. I just watched the movie last week. Anyway. Dagobah. Dagobah, you're right. So it's, Yeah, I had, to think, I had to think the lines over. It's like, yeah. it's Dagobah. I'm yeah. literally closing my eyes and watching the movie in my head. And I was like, yeah. Dagobah. Because so. you're going to the Dagobah system. And yes. He's telling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so the Yoda species, so the Yoda species doesn't have any canonical name at all. They're just when they're ever referenced, they're listed as Yoda race. Okay. And so a lot of people were calling this new the the character that appears in the Mandalorian Baby Yoda because there's not a race of these things at all, and Yoda's the best analog for it because it kind of looks like what a baby Yoda would look like. It, so it it's is, not the Yoda. No, it's not the Yoda at all. Okay, so. I did not understand that. No, no, and and, and in fact, uh, not necessarily a spoiler necessarily, but the baby Yoda here that we see in the Mandalorian is actually like fifty years old. Really? According, according to what they say, he's like fifty years old. So he holds his age well. Yeah, very much. Okay. I mean, Yoda was looking pretty good at six hundred or at eight hundred. Yeah, yeah, no, so, no, no. Not going to argue that. Mm-mm. Um. Okay, well that's that's different than what I thought. I, I thought the the, the Mandalorian because I then I was trying to piece back together the idea that that uh, we were following like the early rise of what would be like Yoda. Yeah. With, which okay, so what I think is which I was of, trying to piece together with the idea that you have a a, a, a a clone son kind of that doesn't have a long life, and I was trying to reconcile the two. It wasn't working. No, no, no. The sun, the sun is, is an unaltered version of Django of the clone. Yeah. So it ages naturally by comparison. Okay. Um, so again, what kind of is it, what's interesting that happens here at this point when we talk about um, are all are all Yodas force sensitive? Yes. Okay. Yes, it's, it's so they're it, a very rare race. They're very unusual. And they're a very rare race um, in the galaxy. Most of them are all, uh, 99.8% of them are Jedi. There's occasionally one that isn't. Okay. Um, and the, again, like the, and again, they're all force sensitive. It's a very much of a telltale, telltale. Why wouldn't you mark. just breed bunches of them? Okay. I'm not going to go any further to that because that's a point in the movie. In, okay. In the series. Okay. So okay. Like, you, all right. No, you're no, way no, ahead. No. You're way ahead of it. You're way ahead of it. I'm, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> asking the question. Okay. <laughs> Okay. I'll look uh, forward to finding out. So, um, what I wanted to do is I wanted to talk about Mandalorians in the sense of the race, the culture, a little bit more. But I have to. Rem- but we have to remind our viewers about something um, that's come up since Disney has purchased uh, Star Wars. Okay. Is that they basically took all the material that ever came out for Star Wars stuff from comics to video games to books to so TV everything shows, that was licensed everything that was everything that was licensed out initially they've retconned that to being what they call the legends version so the extended universe of additional stuff because again keep in mind like eventually like leia and han solo get married and have three kids uh luke skywalker three kids three kids we only know about ren we, again mind you in the extended universe Okay. Um, in the extended in the extended universe, and one of them again, which is the Ben Solo, does become a Sith Lord uh, midway through there. Okay, and actually has to be put down by Luke Skywalker because he killed Luke Skywalker's wife, Mara Jade. Luke got married. Luke got married. Um, Chewbacca dies saving one of the Han Solo kids at one point. Um, the uh, eventually at some point here for a book. Luke Skywalker becomes a Sith temporarily for a resurrected Darth Sidious, although he was just playing the entire time. Apparently, um, this uh, race of do you remember the bugs from uh, 
episode two? Yes. They came back with a force. Um, and I'm not even not, sure. If, not the force. No, no, no. But they came back in a real big way okay. with uh, the Yogg-Sarag War or something of that nature, um, which lasted for like a good decade of them. In okay. The, so are these books? Are these? These are books. These are comics. These are referenced video games. Like there's okay. an entire pantheon of an additional like world of Star Wars stuff that you would only really know about if you had read if you read the the books because there is a lot of supplementary sort of like extended universe books and eventually you get um and eventually rather than reconcile all of that stuff here at the end of the day disney just said you know what that's all legend that we're gonna just call that legends we're gonna call that like the B plot of everything. We're actually then they can change whatever they want without having any any requirement to be. And, it, and really, what they want to do again there was not only to make it so that whenever because again, keep in mind the people who made that material own that material. So if you ever use that material, you have to pay those people for the rights for that as well. Ah. And so, but at the same time, if you are the guys creating the material, then you get to be the ones to decide who gets paid for that material. But at the end of the day, you also get to edit the story as necessary to make it fit with how you want the worlds to go. Well, it's like recreating uh, Spider-Man. Yeah, so, I mean, and again, keep in mind, they've redone Spider-Man dozens of times in some cases. Well, I mean, and, and I think what's interesting about, about the whole whole acquisition of um, the Star Wars... Franchise. Franchise, there we go, um, by Disney and the success of The Mandalorian is that it, it ensures there'll be more. Oh, yeah, no, and it, it would not surprise me if the Baby Yoda character appears at some point in a later Star Wars movie. Yeah. I, I honestly think, do think that, like, that character will appear again. I'm fairly certain that Rey will reappear in another movie down the line somewhere. Um, well, I mean, I, I mean, if you look at the movies, because I watched Rogue, Rogue One mm-hmm. um, a couple of weeks ago, and, and, again, that's, like, one of my favorite Movies. Oh, it's a great Star Wars movie. Yeah. Um, it be, in part because it doesn't end happily. It doesn't have the pretty bow off into the sunset. Well, kind of, it, I guess, it, off into the subset. Well, they you, die. Depending on, how you, depending on how you see the sunset. Yeah, they die. Um, but it doesn't have the, the required romance element. It doesn't have... You don't leave it feeling happy that the story got concluded and everybody went in the right, that everything went right. It doesn't have to be tied up with a bow. No. And, and again, I mean, mind you now, everything went right in the sense that it set up, you know, it literally leaps right into A New Hope when you watch it. It does. So if you watch that and then you move immediately into A New Hope, it's as if you're still watching the same movie almost. Well, and that's and that's exactly the context in which I, I saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so it was kind of neat to see, okay, here's how we got the plans. Mm-hmm. And I'm sending them to my daughter. And then literally, like, now you're on the ship hiding them on R2-D2 yeah. moments later. Yeah, yeah. And then again, that, and that's and then I think that was originally, that was the absolute intention of the movie because when we also go to the solo movie as well, which I don't care what people say, I like the solo movie. I, there is parts in which it drags, but it's still a good westerny sort of movie. It, it you know, it, and and it's one of those things I, I appreciate about about the music and, and what John Williams did, does with the music is the music was designed very much in the I'm old, um, designed very much in the um, in the way that that the fifties and sixties 
Saturday matinee music was. Yes. It, you would be quite uh, normal on a Saturday to go see a double feature in a theater mm-hmm. um, for 50 cents. and Big spender back then. I know. And, um, and you could actually buy popcorn, and the popcorn would, would not be covered in synthetic oil. Um, Jaw hitting the floor right now. Oh, I know. I know, and, I movie, and and you could get a drink for a dime. I haven't had movie popcorn in the better part of like four or five years at this point. Oh, the first time I made popcorn with my granddaughters, um, they they'd had movie popcorn and they we made popcorn from scratch and they were like, oh, it tastes so much better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and, and I'm talking microwave popcorn. I'm talking about air popped popcorn, mm-hmm. but. Um, but no, I mean, um, you used to have that move, that kind of movie music, and it even they'd even be playing what we now think of as soundtracks. But um, before the movie, that was that sort of mu- movie music. That, that I mean, if you think about the music that backs Star Wars, it's not space age music. It's very much sort of. Um, I would not be surprised to hear that music in a in a regular concert for a movie that was set. In like you know the 1600s or the 1800s even. Well, it, it, it was very it's much. That's this very classic, timeless sort of feel to it. That like, in all honesty, I would love. You could to, pl- you could back a western with it. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, and and again, but again, it's so classic and timeless. Um, again, I, I love the notion that the Imperial March is a march. It's an actual type of music that is a called a march. March, yeah. And so it invokes this kind of militaristic sort of uh, feeling at the end of the day. With the, you know, what would again typically be like these brassy horns being these kind of like heroic sort of things, but the way they're tuned in a um, off key a little, um, or not off key, what's the best way to describe that? In a flat or a sharp yeah. sort of uh, flats yeah. in a lot of cases, gives it this foreboding sort of sense. Yeah, no, I mean, it very much, it very much communicates what the emotion that they're trying to draw, mm-hmm. but it also, it isn't synthetic like you would expect. A spacey sort of a thing. Sci-fi, to be. yeah. It's it's one of my uh, what was what, there was something I was watching recently, um, that I was watching and thinking, oh, Transformers. That's what I was watching because you because now mind you, the music for Transformers is this beautiful sweeping horns and violins and this beautiful choir. It's it's really great, beautiful music. Shia LaBeouf's best best effort. Oh no, his actual best movie is actually Eagle Eye. Oh, okay. Um, because Eagle Eye is a because Eagle Eye plays perfectly for him because um, so the story of Eagle Eye is that his he's got a twin brother who is a who works in the military for this uh, AI program and he's trying to send in he's trying to send out an emergency message because the AI's gone rogue, rogue. at this point yeah um, and the AI kills him. But the AI realizes that it can't be let loose onto the world and the rest of the if rest of the suffer Skynet style unless somebody with a similar DNA and fingerprints comes in and and releases him. Right. Releases it. So Shia LaBeouf is being tracked by satellites and all this other stuff um, by this AI, and he is freaking out the entire time. And it's the only time in which an, uh, Shia LaBeouf freak out actually works. <laughs> Because again, like he's whining, he's, he sounds so like scared and shitless of everything. But I would be too if a giant, if like again, if a rogue AI literally sent a satellite down and tried to kill me. Yeah. Because yeah. literally, at one point, the satellite 
sends a just sends a satellite down and destroys the car 20 feet ahead of him with pinpoint accuracy and the AI is like well you're going to do what I want you to do otherwise I'm going to blow up you know otherwise you know bad things are going to happen yeah like what and then like seconds later you know they look up and like that's a comet falling oh my goodness that's so weird and then it hits this car that's like you know 50 feet away or something and he's like, and then the, the AI voice says, I'll do that to you. If I can hit that car with a satellite, imagine what I can do if I can hit you with a satellite. So again, it makes perfect sense. That would that, be persuasive. Now, going back to the Transformers soundtrack, though, it, oh, you know, like if you had like this classic violins and horns for the human sort of stuff, because there's a lot of humans in the yeah. original Transformers stuff, but you had this synthetic sort of horns and, and, and noises yeah. for the Transformers. I thought that would have been a lot more poignant for that um, because when they did Tron, they had a uh, electronica duo, duo named Death Punk who did the music for Tron. And it's got this very kind of clubby sort of like techno S feel, but with a lot of violins and horns. So it's got this really kind of cool feel to it at the end of the day. It's also one of my favorite soundtracks there as well. Well, and I've, I've always been partial to the bar scenes in any of the Star Wars movies and, and the music. Yeah, it's so classic. Yeah. Okay, so the reason I brought up the Legends content here is that I'm not actually going to discuss anything of the Legends content, mostly because it won't help you with watching the Mandalorian series because Disney basically went back in time and said... Only the stuff that got produced by George by Lucas by Lucas Arts at the time and the Luke, the Lucas Arts company yeah. is what we're going to consider canon. Now, what they considered canon though is the 2008 to 2014 Clone Wars series, which does dive into Mandalorian uh, topics, and so or in literally dives into Mandalorian stuff. Right, and that's what they considered the basis for a lot of what was Mandalorian culture. And they've actually had a, they had another follow-up series. And again, Clone Wars takes place between the episode two and episode three. So about six months into uh, into the actual Clone Wars themselves, all the Jedi are now like generals and marshal and captains or, or generals here, and they're leading their own little clone armies and stuff. Um, it prim- the primary element of it here was to to have a t- CGI. Uh, TV series, which is this really kind of cool look at the end of the day. It's a, it's yeah. a, it's, and it's a fun and interesting series. Um, if also just because uh, Anakin Skywalker gets his own Padawan. Oh. And it's in this, um, not a Twi'lek, but it's this other race that has these kind of cool tendrils that kind of go down the side and kind of a horn sort of thing. Um, name, uh, and her name is Ashoka Tano. Okay. She is a very fan favorite character because she is. Um, uh, she eventually gets. She initially she's fan favorite for me because she holds her sa- her lightsaber backwards, which is kind of a weird sword style to begin with. Okay. Eventually, she gets two lightsabers, so she's dual wielding. Okay. Um, and she's a kid, so instantly everyone. But he ultimately murders a bunch of kids. I know, but in, in a kid well, in I'm the just sense, saying. I in, mean... a, in a kid in the sense that she's like 11, 12 years old. Okay. So like she she's a Padawan. That's kind of what you would be as a Padawan. Um, but but that, that totally works against. I know what you again again. It's very interesting because again, where if you you know where Anakin goes from this particular point as he becomes Darth Vader. Yeah. So the fact that he ever had an apprentice 
is interesting. The show likes to dive into this notion that, like, he's going to be Darth Vader, so maybe he's going to do something evil and mean, and, oh, look, he's got that short, he's got that temper sort of thing, but, oh, no, he's still a good guy at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, but occasionally has, like, bouts of, like, darkness and mean and brooding in him that would be, they would eventually be Darth Vader, and eventually, and occasionally they, they hint at the, they hint at the Imperial March in a very slow, somber sort of way occasionally for when, like, he's doing dark stuff. It's a it's a fascinating series because it's it's da, 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 oh even slower is like you know like like it's so drawn out sort of like you barely tell it's actually there unless you actually know what it sounds like. Um, again, great TV series to watch if you feel like you ever have like too much time in a day and you don't mind watching half hour shows that are aimed at children. Um, but again, a shock. Uh, well, uh, aimed at children, aimed at what age group? Um, boys from like eight to teens. Okay. But keep in mind, I mean, like, remember, Brony, again, there's a, a collection of people that are known as bronies because they found a TV show that was My Little Pony that was aimed mostly toward girls Those. between the ages of three and seven, between three and nine, and yeah. fell in love with it. Yeah. Because yeah. it treated their Good. characters as actual characters. Yeah. And again, and again, keep in mind, like, this was a big fan for me as well. I loved this series when it was coming out. Um, back in the day, because again, um, they also bring back a lot of characters and introduce a lot of cool characters as well. So you get to learn about other Jedi and how they interact with, other, with themselves, and um, you get to see a lot more of what was this epic war that you really didn't ever get to see in the movies. You just got, you know, you got the beginning of it, and you got what was the big battles at the very end of it. Well, I mean, what I found interesting about about um you know, Star Wars three was was you, know, you have the reference by Yoda to to Obi Wan when when he's first presented with Luke. Well, he's too old, mm-hmm. and and I don't understand that comment until you go back to to movie three, which shows them being trained. Shows. Oh, you mean? I mean, shows. Yes, shows future Jedi being. Yeah, being trained and everything. Yeah, sort you, of being in a in a Jedi boarding school. Yeah, you you see the you see the kind of the where the students are being trained at and and then you kind of get that further actually in in movie seven six seven seven where where Luke is training eight six six so everything seven up would have Ray in it oh okay so so yeah so again so Luke what, Luke eventually you hear about him training and he has the the conflict with Ren, mm-hmm. but at that point he's training other Jedi. Yeah, so in between in six and own. seven, he's training them at his own kind of. So he's training them on Yavin Four, which is where the original um, Rebel base was from A New Hope. Yeah, and you see them training kids, kids primarily. Yeah, um, and you kind of, and I kind of presume that Kylo Ren at that point, um, or Ben Solo at that point, is yeah. like maybe like in his teens. Yeah. Maybe he's like yeah. 14, 15 years old. Yeah. One of the good students, I would assume. Well, and, and Han and, and Leia had sent him off there because he was... Force-sensitive, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but no, yeah, again, I mean, it's one of those things... Again, Yoda, keep in mind, um, in the original council, doesn't want to train Anakin Skywalker because he's too old. Um, but at the same time, because they because because he's gotten so old, he has fear and other emotions that he's gotten used to having at the end of the day, which don't mix well with the Jedi Code. And that's yeah. one of the reasons why. Uh, Yoda remarks about it again as well, is that Luke Skywalker's too old when he's there on Dagobah. He's already angry. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's too old at this point. You can't train somebody this, at this age, you know? Yeah. Like, 
You know, they they can't learn anymore at this point. It's not worth it. Because they won't get proper training at all. Yeah. And never mind the fact that apparently if you train them when they're older, they're a lot more freaking powerful. <laughs> or it could they just catch be, on quicker. They catch on quicker. Or it should just be that lineage, perhaps. Yeah. Um, that, that Skywalker line just might be unique in that case. Yeah. Um, so... Again, Clone Wars, great TV show, great TV series, but it also developed the Mandalorian, some of the Mandalorian concepts in uh, world building, which they stole and grifted from the expanded universe Legends books at the time as well. Okay. Um, another TV show, um, but again, it was one of the few TV, few Star Wars things that got considered canon by Disney. Um, so much so is that when they came out with their follow-up series, which was called Rebels, which takes place. Um, about two, three years, a uh, couple of years after the events of um, uh, episode three here. So Darth Vader's been around for like maybe four or five years. It's a couple of years before the events of Yavin, of the Battle of Yavin 4. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rebels, uh, actually one of the lead, one of the uh, main characters that is a character um, named Sabine Wren, who herself is a Mandalorian. And she's actually got her kind of... She's got her own kind of really kind of cool, funky armor, actually. Very colorful. Oh, that's really pretty. Yeah. And, uh, A little purple in there. I'll find other... There's another picture over here without her helmet on. If I could find... There it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so she's, so she's one of the lead characters in the... Um, in the Rebels at the end of the day. Along with a former Jedi that happens to be there as well. Because you need to have a former Jedi. Because, I mean, like, you having a, you know, if you're going to have a Star Wars series, I think you kind of have to have a Jedi somewhere along the way. You actually, you actually really do, because it's what, what keeps it in the, in the, in the family, as, so to speak. It keeps it, it keeps it grounded in that Star Wars universe. You don't, you don't, admittedly. Otherwise, it it could take place independently. It it really kind of could feel like it takes place independently, but, like, I mean, even in Rogue One, like you, you keep getting, you keep, you know, um, one of the characters is apparently a force gifted blind person at this point. Used to be a. I love of, him. But now keep in mind that that entire planet that they that they were at was where they mine was where all the Jedi lightsaber crystals were supposedly being kept were being you know mined from. I I I am the force. The force is. I am the I am the I am one with the force. The force, force is one with me. me. I am one with the force. force. The force is one. And with he's me. literally walking. Just walking through. straight forward. All just. You know, with straight. with people are shooting all around him, mm-hmm. and he's walking dead in the center. Hey, if you're blind, you can't see it coming. You can't. Can't, can't, can't and, and he just keeps keeps, and that's actually one of my favorite death scenes. It is not, you know, not to not to. It's blow unfortunate, yet. but it is like it is poignant. It is poignant because because his his his, be, his good friend dies, and he takes up his mantra and. Even, the, even the though he's a non-believer, him. yeah, he doesn't believe at all. But it, like, it makes sense. And it, actually, if you if you go back in time, it would not surprise me if that particular character. No, no, he actually was. Uh, he actually was uh, in the war. So, okay. Um, I because you because I was thinking about it here ahead of time, and I was like, was he a Mandalorian? No, no, no. He was actually you know he's actually wearing like storm the uh, clone trooper armor and yeah. just pr- uh, using their stuff at the end of the day. He doesn't yeah. act. He's not actually kind of a scavenger, kind of a oh yeah, yeah, very much a scavenger. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So both uh, Clone Wars and Rebels actually does a good job of continuing some of the Mandalorian storyline. 
Um, so when we get to the actual Mandalorian lore, which I know has probably taken us a good, like, 40 minutes, 40 minutes to an hour to get to anyways. It, yeah. Um, so, um, the Mandalorians are a clan-based uh, system of warriors that come from the planet of Mandalore, um, which was a relatively, which is a place in the Outer Rim. Now, to talk about the Outer Rim is kind of like to talk about the Wild West. It's in the boonies. It's far away from any sort of civilization. Inner rims are like nice planets. They're like they developed. have they're developed. They're like cities. It's it's like going from like New York to like the middle of nowhere in Kansas. Okay. Who knows what you're going to find in the middle of Kansas? Yeah. You know nothing. Not to knock on Kansas, but as an example, could be could could be Wyoming. Could be Wyoming. Could be Idaho. Could be Dakota. One of the Dakotas. Let's just say like it's not like you're not in California anymore. Yeah. So, um, majority of the people who are Mandalorians are the were these um, kind of these crusaders. I guess is the best way to early describe them because what they did is they took over neighboring planets um, and basically kind of created their own Mandalore system. Eventually, um, and eventually, as their fame as mercenaries, bounty hunters, and um, warriors kind of grew. They eventually got to the inner rims, which was where all the Jedi were at. And sensing, seeing the Jedi there, the Jedi mowed them down because the Jedi were like, "Oh, how cute!" Sword, sword, lightsaber, 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 lightsaber. Um, and this actually led to the Mandalorians developing their famous armor and their famous Mandalorian armor, um, and including their weapons. And eventually, what what the armor did for them was that because it would not only deflect blaster, blaster bolts, but also deflect um, uh, light, lightsabers as well. Because it would, because again, like it can't, Beskar can't cuss, cut through lightsabers, or lightsabers can't cut through Beskar at the end of the day. Um, it gave the Mandalorians an equal footing to fight with them at the end of the day. Um, and to the point where Mandalorians took out Jedis fairly frequently. Because again, like if you're a oh, Jedi, the Jedi's are always the good guys. They are, but again, you have to remember that the Mandalor, you know, like if you're now are Mandalorians mercenaries then? They're they're warriors in the sense that the um, they act as mercenaries. They've acted as bounty hunters. Um, basically, if you you were to see like a Mandalorian, it was safe to presume that they were for hire, and then and that okay. if you paid them properly, they would get you what you needed at the end of the day. Okay. Um, and then, in the sense of like Jedi here, like you're not, most Jedi, we're not going to, you know, we're expect, we're not going to expect to see a Mandalorian. There weren't a lot of them out there so in, they in the galaxy. Kind of like Hitman, I guess, would be a good example for okay. them as well. Right. Um, but again, because they're not out there all the time, like you wouldn't see them immediately. So if you didn't know they existed, you know, like you know, something where normally your lightsaber would cut through them, and they just kind of like, and it's kind of like hits their armor and kind of like bounces off. You're just kind of like. Well, I wasn't expecting that, that, you know, sort of situation. Um, so there is that. Okay. Um, we get further into Mandalorian lore here again. The Mandalorians and the Jedi's are like pretty, good, pretty up there with like Sith and kind of like mirror opposites of one another. That's where like lightsabers have, where Jedi would have lightsabers and kind of a martial sort of thing here. You, like, you expect Mandalorians would have like the guns and the pistols and the rifles. We're taking you out. Um, but it's not all like... But it wasn't always the case here where Mandalorians and Jedi were um, enemies all the time. There's actually very famously a 
Mandalorian who was taken as a child to become a Jedi. His name is Tar Vizsla. And he was the first Mandalorian to become a Jedi. They ended up not making they ended up not getting any more of them out there because Mandalore wouldn't give up their children to become Jedi at all. Uh, but Tar Vizsla actually created a very unique lightsaber that is very important to Mandalore lore at the end of the day called the Darksaber. Um, by comparison to normal lightsabers, it's kind of this rounded sort of hilt that has the blade that kind of like shoots up that's like a tube almost, a pure energy. The Darksaber is a very angular cut sort of thing, kind of looks like a katana almost. Mm-hmm. And its blade is actually like a katana as well, but it's, but it's very thin and it has a sharp point at the end where it kind of curves up but what's interesting about the dark saber is that it's a pure black lightsaber okay because lightsaber colors have meaning Mm -hmm. so i would assume pure black is evil not necessarily evil it's it's um so the various lightsabers have had different canonical meanings for jedi so a blues lightsaber meant you were a guardian style uh jedi which meant you were kind of on the you were the guys that went out there and kept the peace for the most part. Uh-huh. Um, like, you go out, like you would get sent out to go do missions and stuff. Uh, greens were what they called a sentinel um, light, uh, Jedi. These were Jedis who um, were more gifted in the Force and the lightsabers, more of like, I need this for protection sort of elements. Um, these were the kind of Jedi who were, you know, like, were the Yodas of the, at the end of the day. These were the guys that picked up buildings and did all these amazing stuff with the Force. Um, they could still be equally prowess with the lightsabers, but they were more attuned with using the Force at the end of the day. Um, then you have an orange-colored lightsaber, which was... Um, uh, I forget I forget what the technical term is. Maybe the green one... Uh, um, maybe the green one's not even the correct name for that either, because now I'm getting... And now I think I might have gotten them confused. Oh, no, the green one was a consular, consular Jedi. Okay. The orange one is the Sentinel. Um, um, okay. Okay blanked on that here sentinels were kind of like jedi that like lived away from the temple they might come back to visit every couple years but they lived out on the far edge of society and they just kind of were there to help not just maintain the peace but quite but also to kind of keep an eye out on the world they were typically watchmen they were yeah they were watchmen they were kind of like forest rangers at the end of the day is kind of a better way maybe might be a better term to see it um if they found force they were also um, in charge of trying to find Force-sensitive children to bring to become Jedi at the end of the day, mm-hmm. um, and so they kind of mostly worked on their own. They autonomously. They didn't have a lot of people out there. Those were typically um, orange lightsabers. Um, you had a, a collection of what they called yellow lightsabers, which were temple guards. Um, in fact, and even in the, as a temple guard, you your lightsaber was passed down from somebody else because um, it was this weird kind of double-hilted lightsaber that wasn't common. Okay. Um, then you have purple, which was unique in the sense that nobody had ever seen a purple lightsaber before Mace Windu. Um, and do you know the reason why there's a purple light? Why uh, Mace Windu has a purple lightsaber? No, why? Because uh, during Episode One, uh, Samuel L. Jackson, who plays Mace Windu, lamented, you know, lamented to George Lucas that he never got to swing around his lightsaber and never got to turn it on. And he pointedly asked George Lucas, like, hey, like, what color, you know, like, what colors do Jedi get to have? It's like, you know, oh, it's blue and green. And and he said, like, uh, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe Windu's got a purple one. He's like, eh, maybe. 
because um, Samuel Jackson has to have something that's purple in every one of his movies. He lo- he loves that color and he likes to see that color somewhere in on on his that's, character. That's pretty cool. So that's you know so again like he he basically got George Lucas to give him a purple lightsaber at the end of the day. And what does purple mean? Purple just means badass. Oh okay. So it, it's again it's whatever Samuel L. Jackson has on his wallet, which I think uh, in if you go back to Pulp Fiction, yeah, it's the one that says badass motherfucker. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so again, Samuel is. What does the purple lightsaber mean? Samuel L. Jackson. There you go. Now, obviously, red means um, is an artificial crystal, but that's primarily used for the Sith because um, they wanted to. Because at the end of the day, here, their kyber crystals are artificially created. Um, because if you had a blue or green one, that they they're get they're not organic. They're not organic. Yeah. So you use use the artificial stuff. Yeah. But that's how you get this like crimson red sort of dark light, dark lightsaber. Or if you're Ren, you get you get sort of that sparky thing. Well, Ren's is sparky because it's <clears throat> not because it's broken. Okay. It, it's the crystal is um, too energetic for this particular lightsaber hilt, which was even of itself was not properly created at the end of the day. Um, so as a result, it flickers and has this chaotic sort of nature to it because it's not. A actually finished lightsaber at the end of the day. It's so I'm gonna throw this out there. Okay. Um, and and uh, you can spit up all over it. I always found sort of the and especially once you get the sort of Ren finds Luke's lightsaber, right? Okay. Well, you remember that though, right? I do. He doesn't find it necessarily though. She. Oh, Ray. Ray. I'm sorry. Okay. Ray finds Luke's lightsaber. Whatever. Which was Anakin, Anakin's originally. Was it? So, so again, the lightsaber that Rey finds is Luke Skywalker's first lightsaber because that's the one that Obi-Wan Kenobi gifted to him when he said it was his father's, which is what Obi-Wan okay. took away at the very end of episode three when Got Anakin it. is getting burned. So technically it's Got Anakin's, it. but we all call it Luke Skywalker's first lightsaber. Okay. So um, it struck me ages before but then that solidified it for me it's a lot like like um wands choosing their their wizard rather than wizards choosing their wands yes it's very harry potter like harry potter feel like that yeah yeah i mean obviously harry potter comes later but um chronologically but and that's actually how the kyber crystals uh kind of worked work for jedi like you you reach out to the force in one of these kyber crystal caves and the idea there being is that when you reach out with the force the force will kind of call a crystal to you and then that's the crystal that you use for your lightsaber at the end of the day so whether it's blue or green kind of is just, is less of uh, what your occupation is and more of what the force kind of called out to you at the end of the day um, so it's sort of like the sorting hat kind of like the sorting hat yeah um and again and the notion there as well is that like i think with Mace Windu's purple lightsaber, like he reached out to the Force, and this is what the Force said at the end of the day, and so that's kind of an interesting notion there. Yeah, um, yeah. But but Mace Windu in, in extended lore is kind of also straddling this line between good and evil as well. Like, um, like he's one of these weird masters that like preaches the good good the light side of the Force, but also kind of delves a little bit into the dark side of the Force as necessary to do the, to do good. Um, so, so justified evil. Justified evil, yeah, I guess maybe the best yeah. way to put that. Um, but no, the Darksaber, um, again, is weird in the sense that it's all black, but it has kind of like this galaxy sort of sheen to it at the end of the day. So like you see like 
stars in it, kind of like if you were looking Ooh. at deep space almost. Wow. Um, I don't have a good picture of it here necessarily, although um, although it is the saber that um, that Sabine is holding up. And you do see sort of some some uh, some little specks of white, white in yeah. there, yeah. Um, but it's it's interesting that it's got this kind of like very angular sort of look to it as well as where most lightsabers have this kind of roundish sort of like you know tubular sort of you know yeah. thing. Yeah. It, I keep thinking of it as like a katana at the end of the day almost. Yeah. Um, so the dark so um, so Tar again, um, very important character. He in Mandalorian lore, he eventually leaves the Jedi. Um, and upon returning to Mandalore, is promoted to the leader of Mandalore, okay. and he gives is given the title of Man-Alore. Man-Alore. Mandalore. Mandalore. Okay. So not like the so it's M A N D, comma or hyphen or apostrophe, A L O A L O R. So Mandalore, as okay. we're uh, this the man of the lore. Mandalore. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, and so the saber itself is a very important element on there. It's kept by his family, the house of Vizsla, which eventually gets owned by uh, pre-Vizsla, who is another Mandalore um, uh, in the world here at the end of the day. Um, eventually, at a certain point here, there is... Um, um, just prior to... About a hundred years prior to the events of Episode One, The Phantom Menace, um, the Jedi and the Mandalore kind of end their fighting because they have this big fight on Mandalore that causes a cataclysm on the planet that ends up turning most of their planet from these beautiful, what was once these beautiful, luscious uh, forests and greenery and lakes and every lakes and mountains, very kind of nice looking world, um, into a world of pure desert oceans of white sand. Um, and devastates the planet to the point where the people and the populace have to create domed cities in order to be able to survive on the planet here. So it's, it's that inhospitable uh, at this point here. Um, and just about a year before the events of Episode One, there has this civil war of the Mandalorians. Now there's the um, the Mandalorians at this point here, as much as they still kind of practice their Mandalorian ways, they've gotten to the point where like we're not going to keep fighting anymore. we got to rebuild our own world, and we've been devastated by the wars for the last centuries by this point. Um, so there's two kind of races of Mandalores at this point. There's the New Guard, which was aiming for this kind of peace and unity and pacifism. You know, like, we're not going to fight anymore. We need to actually make a society again. Um, and you have the old Mandalorians, which are the people who want to go back to the old ways of conquering and fighting and things like that. Um, well, the two sides have a fight, and the new Mandalorians win. So the old Mandalorians get banished to a moon, essentially, um, at that point here. So then by the time we get to Clone Wars, the old um, Mandalorians actually joined the Republic, oddly enough. It's something that they were starchly against beforehand. They've actually now joined the Republic. Um, and by the Clone Wars, they've actually created a coalition with about another 1,500 planets that have uh, basically preached pacifism in the war between the separatist and the republic at the end of the day. So the planets that want to separate from the republic, um, they've actually said, we're not going to participate in the fighting. We want nothing to do with it. Whoever wins, wins. We don't want anything to do with this at all. 
or or with or with the what with the winners are what the winners are yeah we don't we leave us out we, we don't want anything to do it we just want to be safe we just want to be peaceful we don't want anything at all um well um the old mandalorians are still kind of kicking around and they don't like the idea of they, they want mandalorians to go back to the way they were and so the man these old mandalorians have actually rebranded themselves as death watch Oh, I know a nice edgy, edgy name. Yeah. So they renamed themselves Death Watch because they're kind of watching over the Mandalore that's dying. That's why they okay. call them that. Um, and they've actually decided at this point to work with Count Dooku and the Separatists to get power back for the Mandalorians. Because um, again, the Separatists and Count Dooku would really love to just have Mandalorian warriors fighting for them because of their prowess and their protect them. Yeah. Well, not only that, but again, they're feared by the Jedi because they. They kill Jedi. Yeah. They're one of the few things in the universe outside of Sith that can kill Jedi. Um, and so um, what ends up happening here is that Dooku ends up, um, and the Separatists end up attacking Mandalore. And the Mandalorians um, do their best to protect themselves, but they're not winning at the end of the day, which causes huge public outcry because it's like, how can you guys protect us? Um and actually, what's interesting is that there's a certain point in the Senate where they're like, let's go send a force to Mandalore to go help them, to protect them from, to to go protect um, Mandalore at the end of the day. And the Mandalorian uh, leader here, which is, um, and i got to have to find her name real quickly. Um, her it's a her. It's a her. Her name is, um, where is it? Right, right here somewhere. Her name is Satil, uh, Satine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Satine cries. Um, it's interesting in because so her she is the uh, the world is led by Duchess Satine cries, K R Y Z E cries, uh-huh. um, and actually she has a kind of like hidden romance sort of thing with Obi Wan Kenobi, which is actually kind of interesting. Like the two of them have like this romantic romantic sort of relationship that's not explicit, you know, like. Like they Obi- don't have any children. They don't have any children, but Obi-Wan likes being around her. And he's not sure why, but he really just enjoys her company and Sabine and um and uh Satine like likes being around him and he's you know, she's like, you know, it can if you ever want to get rid of those Jedi ways, you could always come to Mandalore. Yeah. You know, and Obi Wan's kinda like, eh, no, it's yeah. okay. No. Yeah. I, I got this thing I have to do. I've got a code, like I'm not yeah. supposed to have a relationship at all, you know. Yeah. Being the good guy at the end of the day. Um, so actually, again, so and, and that's a that's a question. Are are no okay? Jedi, Jedi are not allowed to get married okay. and have children. Okay. Um, and the reason for that being is that the fear is that they would create children that were hyper force sensitive at a certain point. If you had two Jedi's marry, but but what if you just did a did a, a Leia Han Han thing? Well, again, I mean, like. Uh, the reason why they were, I mean, so Anakin and Padme were keeping their marriage secret because you're not supposed to marry as a Jedi because um, you're not supposed to have strong emotions at all. It's kind of it's supposed to be wonky with your... Having strong emotions eventually leads to the dark side of the Force. Right. Um, but also so much in the fact that... Because like, mo- emotions can't be controlled. Emotions can't be controlled and that they come on in, in, in wild ways that are not predictable. Um, but the major concern for the Jedi as well is that if you have a um, if you have a person that you're married to, 
you're far less likely to take certain risks that might put you in danger or them in danger instead. Right. It's one of the reasons why um, in Batman lore, Batman doesn't get married at all. Um, it, it, okay, so there's a very so to diverge here a little bit. Um, so there's a character um, in so there's a character in Batman lore that Batman um, has a, has a very deep relationship with. Um, I can't remember her Talia. Her name is Talia. Um, they have a very deep relationship to the point where Talia um, and Batman have done the horizontal mambo is the best way to describe that. Okay. And Talia has become pregnant. And as a result, uh, Batman now knowing that he's going to be a father, he's taking less risks, and he's hesitating because he wants because he wants to be there for his kid, because right. he, he doesn't want because yeah. he didn't grow up with a with a father, he didn't have a yeah. chance to grow up with a father. He wants his son to have yeah. a child. But as a result of not taking as many risks and hesitating, um, Batman actually gets himself more hurt as a result. Right. And Talia seeing that this is happening to Bruce Wayne, that he has to be Batman for his own penance at the end of the day, but at the same time, she knows uh, that this is what he has to do. He would hate himself if he if he wasn't Batman in the, at the end of the day. Decides to have a miscarriage to allow Batman to continue to be Batman. And in later stories, they retcon that to say that Talia said she had a, that she had, an abort, had a miscarriage, but that really she had the child, and that child is Damian Wayne, and who becomes the next Rob, who becomes a Robin down the line eventually. Okay. So, um, okay. but to go back to bring that back to Jedi at the end of the day, you don't want to have, you don't want to have, um, you want yourself to be true to the Jedi to the Jedi code at the end of the day. So you don't, so you're not married at all to anybody. So that way you can't be distracted at all either. So, at the same time, if you if if you're a Jedi, if you're a Jedi and your enemies knew who you're, you know, that you had a wife or something like that, because it's not as if you have a secret identity gives, at all. It gives you somebody that they could Yeah, that they leverage, could target yeah. and leverage at the end of the day, yeah. So, um, But no, again, like, it, it, it'll come up here in just a minute here. Okay. Um, so again, Count Dooku and the Separatist forces are attacking Mandalore, and the people basically are rising up against uh, Satine here, saying, like, you need to protect us, why aren't you protecting us? And then from the moon comes Death Watch, where they come in and they basically overthrow the government, saying, we'll protect you guys. And they do. They, they drive the Separatists kind of off the world there. Um, and actually what they end up doing here is that they, they pledge Mandalore to the Separatists here. Okay. And so the Republic clearly doesn't like that. Because, um, again, like, it's supposed to be a peaceful planet. Um, hidden within Death Watch, though, is a character that you may have heard of before. His name is Darth Maul. Oh, yeah. So, um, Darth Maul is kind of working with Death Watch. Um, and eventually... So, one of the things you have to know about the Darksaber here, which is kind of an interesting lore point here, um, is that the owner of the of the Darksaber is only the owner because they defeated the last person in combat for it. Like Dumbledore's uh, wand. Yes. Well, no, no, not necessarily like Dumbledore's wand. Dumbledore's wand was the notion that um, it will win any fight for you. But who does it? Who does it respond to? It, it, always, it, it responds, responds to the person who last is current owner. Well, but its current owner is determined by whoever whoever de wanted whoever like, yeah whoever like yeah you know yeah in that particular sense whoever 
whoever defeated the last owner becomes the new owner of the, the Elder Wand yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, the sword, though, doesn't. It's not that same sense where like the sword is like, no, I won't work for you. It's like, but whoever owns the sword has to defeat that person in combat um, because the sword is kind of the kind of the hallmark bearer of, oh, I'm the ruler of Mandalore. Okay. So you can only win. So you have to win the sword in by combat. You can't just like say, here. You're the Give new me, leader. Yeah. You know, you can't, that, that's not allowed. Okay. Um, so, Darth, so Darth Maul, excuse me, actually beats Pre Vizsla for the saber and kills him and takes over all of Mandalore and all the Mandalorians. Ooh. Um, who proceeds to just decide, you know what, well, you know, the, and it's actually, excuse me, it's Darth Maul who actually um, decides he's not, he's not going to join the Separatists, excuse me, but what he's going to do, he... See, he really wants vengeance against against Obi Wan Kenobi. And he really wants vengeance against the Jedi, and so he actually um, ends up killing Satine in front of Obi Wan Kenobi with the dark saber. Unfortunately, and Obi Wan really does freak out about this. He actually cries, and he's like, "If if, if he was going to turn to the dark side, that would have been the point. He would have done it." Yeah, it's a very kind of pivotal scene in the in the series for him. Um. And so now I have to I have to get my notes here because this this is where it gets kind of a little crazy because over the course of a couple episodes, um, Darth Maul is kills Satine and takes over full control over the over the Mandalore culture. There's a separatist group uh, led by Satine's sister uh, called Bo-Katan, uh, who leads a group called the Night Owls, which is an all female Mandalorian troop. Okay, it's kind of cool. Uh, it eventually gets more ma- cool. gets yeah. some more male characters in there eventually. Yeah. Um, so Maul's trying to fight that off. He eventually gets visited by Darth Sidious, who basically captures him, and basically like, "No, not you, bad apprentice. How dare you still be alive and not yeah. come back to me?" Um, Darth Maul eventually leaves, but on his way back to Mandalore, um, he loses a lot of his power base because now Death Watch is fighting against this separatist sort of civil war thing amongst the other Mandalorians there. Um, and eventually what ends up happening is that the Republic's just like, you know what? We need to get back Mandalore. Let's go send an entire legion over there to go reclaim Mandalore. Um, and so all the Night Owls kind of disappear, kind of leave because they're being hunted down as well because they think they're a part of Death Watch because at one point they were. Okay. So they're being hunted. They hunt down all these old man, uh, these Mandalorians. Darth Maul gets captured and then eventually gets uh, disappears along the way. Um, it's actually uh, Asaka Tano who defeats Darth Maul, oddly enough. Um, but at this point here, she's probably like 16, 17 years old. She's a lot wiser and smarter at this point. Um, she actually at one point leaves the Jedi Order because she doesn't believe the Jedi Order is going in the right path of the Force at all. So she's a smart one. Mm-hmm. Um, which is how she survives the Great Purge that ends up happening. Oh, when it, in, when yeah. they get Order sixty six, yeah, yeah. Um, she's actually on um, a, a, a what they call a Venator, which was the earlier version of the Star Destroyers, um, when the order came out, and she just barely survived by using the Force to take out the implant in her commander's brain, in her commander's brain, that would otherwise make it so the commander Rex would kill her. Yeah. Um, and as a result, the entire crew ends up becoming a part of what they call the 501 Legion, which is Darth Vader's personal sort of guard at the end of the day. 
Um, so that's where that came. That's where that comes from. It, the five hundred first is a very popular cosplay troop for Star Wars. Um, uh, as it's called, it's called when you cosplay as in in Star Wars, it's called trooping. Okay. It's a big deal because like you have to get your costume approved um, to troop with them officially. Oh. Wow. Well, yeah, like there's like there's like if you want to be a stormtrooper, you have to have like there's like an eighty point test for your costume that has to match up, and you have to be like you have to be above ninety percent to be able to troop with a with a five hundred first legion. Um, because the five hundred first legion doesn't just have. Storm- so I assume that there are people on Etsy that will make you a, an approved yes, costume. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There's there's people how, on it. How expensive is that? Uh, Stormtrooper armor can range anywhere from poor quality, about $300, to nice quality, about $800, to really nice quality in the 1500 range. Wow. Yeah. The Stormtrooper armor is a big deal. Well, I mean, I know somebody who's really... A, Mark has a friend who's who's really into it mm-hmm. and has a... Oh, yeah. No, he's got a couple different things out there. I've, I've seen his... Because I, I believe he does actually troop with the 501st as well. And he, his daughter has a purple stormtrooper costume mm-hmm. that he had made for her when she was like five. And I thought, what a waste! It had to cost quite a bit, and she only could be able to wear it for a couple of years. I think the daughter will, because they have a second daughter as well. And I'm sure yeah. the daughter will wear it. But mind you, like his daughter's also done uh, Ray as well. He's walked around as a um, as a as a walker as well. Like he's actually like made this entire thing where he's a, where he was a walker. Yeah, he's done actually a bunch of cool cosplay. You know, he's in, uh, I believe his name is Matt. He works in realty. He's Real a realtor. Estate, yeah, yeah. He's so a like, yeah, yeah. So he does a lot of like, there's a lot of cool stuff at the end of the day. Mark found a really good friend. Yeah, and I've actually gone to him for ideas on how to build stuff as well. So oh, okay, he, yeah, because I know he he does stuff himself. Mm-hmm. So he's been a very good, useful resource here. Um, so what ends up happening here with Mandalore is that um, by the so when they. When the Republic retake, retakes Mandalore here eventually for uh-huh. the Republic, the next day they turn on Order 66 and become the the, the Empire now. So Mandalore, by this point here, um, the Mandalorians, the only kind of remaining ones are the Night Owls, the other people that were always, that are, were like mercenaries and bounty hunters anyways. They were like not there on Mandalore when it was happening, so they kind of avoided a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um and any sort of remaining Mandalorians were that were on the planet kind of just sided with the Empire at this point. Um, now, Bo-Katan um, was named the regent for Mandalore after the Purge, or after the uh, Republic took the... after the Empire took the planet back, but she didn't want anything to do with what the Empire was doing, so another person took ownership of it. And the planet, for the next couple... Decades is being was being used as a place where you trained stormtroopers and officer cadets. Wow. Okay. Because again, Mandalorians were like the best warriors in the in the universe yeah. at this point, uh, like the samurai essentially. Um, Darth Maul kind of disappears into the ether. He does other stuff that gets talked about in Rebels eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so by the time we do get to the Rebels. Um, they are working with Bo-Katan to try to retake Mandalore at the end of the day. So there's a splinter group of all these night owls that are trying to retake Mandalore for Mandalorians, really. Um, uh, they eventually um, they eventually do take back over the planet, but then the Empire decided to come in and is like, you know what? 
maybe we really don't need Mandalore anymore, and they just wipe everybody out with overwhelming force. Yeah. Like the Empire can do. Um, all the armor that was made on Mandalore gets kind of melted down into ingots, essentially. Um, and the uh, ingots here, um, these Beskar ingots are kind of got this Damascus sort of quality to them, kind of these wavy sort of lines. Yeah. And the, you can see the um, Imperial print on them, kind of like gold bars almost. Um, so they're out there. Um, and most of... By that point here again, and it's kind of the, the most of the end for Mandalore as far as the mainline stories go. Um, but obviously, when you watch the Mandalorian, you'll get to learn more about that. Um, so, I also wanted to just quickly talk about Mandalorian armor. Mm-hmm. Again, um, it's all Mandalorians wear have that kind of same T-shaped sort of visor thing going on with their helmets. Um, you can obviously decorate your helmet in any particular way, as we've seen with some characters. Uh huh. Um, but that helmet design and look is very um, common and very, very ubiquitous throughout the entire Mandalorians here. Okay. Um, most Mandalorians wear Beskar armor. It's, again, it's, um, it's metal that deflects blaster bolts, is uh, can stand really, really strong forces. You know what I mean? Like, if you, could, if you had, like, an entire ship made out of Beskar, it would cost, like, a, like having a car made out of platinum. Ooh. But it would also be like nobody was touching this car at all, and nobody was ever going. Like, if you got into an accident, you hoped the people in the next car survived, because you yeah. were because you were going to be perfectly fine. Yeah. Um. But Mandalorian armor um, also has a trademark jetpacks on it with sometimes rockets on the back, um, so you can fly around in them. You can also have some mounted with flamethrowers or darts that get shot out of the wrists. Um, famous darts include like sleeping darts, poison darts, and darts that's just kind of like homing attack on you. You also have uh, most uh, Mandalorians are also wearing primarily guns, mostly, so blasters, I guess is the best way to put it. So a lot of them are either uh, rifles or uh, sidearm sort of pistols or um, heavy repeater sort of like cannons um, for the most part. Um,. Okay, so uh, the other one I wanted to talk about really quickly was the Darksaber. We kind of went over its principles here. Um, Darth Maul, when we last spoke about it, had the lightsaber, um, and Darth Maul ended up leaving it on a planet called Dathomir, which is kind of where um, the Zabaraki species kind of comes from. It's the horned kind of people. Okay. Um, He left it there while he was escaping uh, Darth Sidious at one point and just didn't come back for it at the end of the day. Uh, it was eventually found by uh, Sabine, um, who was the girl from Rebels. So right. she eventually found it at the end. She eventually um, found the saber there. And oddly enough, where again, where the rule doesn't quite make sense, she gifted it to Co- uh, Kobatan at the end of the day. And Kobatan didn't have this like freak out of like, no, I didn't win it from you. Because in theory, like, Sabine having the sword here means... Means she's the ruler. She's the ruler of Mandalore. Right. And then she gives it to Bo-Katan, and Bo-Katan's not freaking out. The fact is like, no, I didn't win this. I have to have won this. Yeah. That notion didn't come in until, like, much later on, eventually, at the end of the day. Um, and so the du- so 
there's some dubiousness about that ruling at the end of the day. But again, like she didn't freak out initially when she received it, so it's kind of like, why well, didn't win this? Uh. Yeah. Um, and then the purge happened, where again the Empire came in and basically just wiped out all the Mandalorians that were there on Mandalore, and we don't know where the dark saber is to this day. So it could come up. It could come up. And again, so um, so what questions do you have going into the Mandalorian? Oh, I'm just looking forward to I I'm I'm looking forward to um, to it because I know a lot of people who have enjoyed it. It's and certainly Baby Yoda's become a thing. Oh, it's definitely a thing. It was a thing again when it was first coming out, and I remember. Now, is he called Yoda? No. Okay. Throughout the entire series, he's known as the kid or the child. Okay. He's actually credited as that throughout most of the series. Okay. Um, even the Mandalorian is not known as... Does, he has his own name, but he's not referenced as that at all. Okay. He's actually referenced often as Mandalorian or Mando. Okay. Mando, how are you doing? Welcome back. Sounds a lot like Lando, but you know. A yeah. little, yeah. There's a character that seems very Lando-ish while he's there, too. Yeah. So, um, again... One of the things you have to remember is that by the time of five years after the events of Return of the Jedi, uh-huh. um, the Empire does and doesn't exist anymore. They're re- what they call they're called the remnants of the Empire. Um, the New Republic is sl- trying to slowly weed them all out and get rid of them. Um, but most of the people that are um, in the Empire now, it's through a handful of remaining stormtroopers that exist out there that are that are still stormtroopers. Lots of, like, generals, lieutenants, and captains. There's a lot of Imperial hardware that still exists out there in the in the sense of Star Destroyers, bases, armaments, and tools of that nature. Um, but they're not making more of it, is the best way to describe that. Or if they are, it's in small quantities. And most of these individual people that are part of the uh, remnants of the Empire... Are all either if they're leaders, they're leading their own groups of stuff, but they all think they're the boss at the end of the day. So everything's falling apart after after uh, Luke dies, or after after death after Darth Vader and Darth Sidious die. Yes. Oh, okay. Luke Luke would still be around by this point. Okay. So we are we are in between which two movies? We are in between uh, Episode six and Episode seven. So we're before. Okay. We're so Yoda's dead. Yoda's dead. Luke's got Darth Vader is dead. It's Luke Skywalker's last known Jedi in the universe okay. before we ever get to hear of Rey and Finn and their entire storylines. Okay. okay. So that then, but again, we're five years after it. So like, and Finn is just an undeveloped. So what, force, we think he's force positive. We're we done. think we think he's force sensitive, but it wouldn't surprise us if he's probably not. I mean, the fact that Rey's force sensitive is probably the better choice at the end of the day because. Um, it's kind of neat for neat to have a female uh, protagonist. But I always thought it was nice to have some diversity because aside from from um, Mace Windu, yeah, you don't. I mean, you don't have potentially. Like, yeah, I mean, again, we don't know what'll happen in later movies. We like to think that he's force sensitive, but by all known accounts, he hasn't shown himself to be force sensitive. But he was raised as a stormtrooper. Come on, I know it'd be kind of, it'd be nice if that were the case, but yeah. Um, but I'm okay if it's not. Okay. I, I, that's the best way I can strap that. Okay. So so that's our timeline for The Mandalorian. Again, your homework here is to watch the first eight episodes. Okay. Now, each episode ranges anywhere from 30 to 40 minutes. Oh, I'm dandy with that. Um, 
And so, again, I imagine you can probably watch two episodes for an hour's bike. Yep. So there's a good chance for that. And, again, it's primarily only available on Disney+. Plus. And, again, if you just yeah. get the regular Disney+, Plus, it's six ninety nine a month, which is right. really not that bad, actually. It's not. And it's, it's going to have, and, again, like, due to the COVID sort of stuff, a lot of the new stuff has only ever come out in there. So, like, the new Pixar movie, which was supposed to come out in theaters, which was called Soul, came out on Disney+. Plus. I'm told mm-hmm. it's actually really good. Um, I just haven't watched it yet because uh, I don't have Disney Plus. But if you ever want to watch any sort of Marvel-related stuff or any sort of, um, the Simpsons are now all on Disney Plus because they bought out Fox. You know how I feel about that. I know. That's okay. Um, all the Star Wars stuff is on Not Disney Plus. Um, there's a lot of you know again so like, and the Disney Plus has been coming out with a lot of new original stuff here as well. So. Um, the final season of Clone Wars, which they did, so they did finally a seventh season, okay. uh, which is where you have that famous fight on Mandalore with Darth Maul and Ahsoka Tano. That's mm-hmm. only on Disney+. Plus. Um, the Mandalorian is on there. They have a couple other uh, shows in there. Um, they have a show called The World According to Jeff Goldblum, which is kind of a National Geographic sort of thing. With Jeff Goldblum? With Jeff Goldblum. Interesting guy. Oh, man. Yeah. I liked him in his apartment, apartments.com uh, commercials. Oh, he, he he's the fly. Oh, absolutely. And and Earth Girls are easy. Yeah, but you got to remember that not a lot of people remember Earth Girls are easy. Great much movie. Is, so much <laughs> is the same way that like, I will forever remember Stanley Tucci as um, an undercover blues. Muerte. 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 He Muerte. means death. Morty. Like, yeah. Hey, Morty. Morty. Yeah, I I remember watching unsung movie. It's uh, it's a beautiful classic movie. It's, yeah. it's Undercover Blues. Undercover Blues. Randy Quaid. Randy Quaid. And who was the other Kathleen person? Kathleen Turner. Kathleen Turner. And then again, Stanley Tucci. Yeah. A very young Stanley Tucci, Tucci, too. Yep. Yeah. Early, but, early Tucci. Oh, yeah. But great movie. Absolutely great movie. Alrighty. So we're going to put all the notes here on and links to get to Disney Plus here as well on our website at the nerdtutorialpodcast.com where you can listen to our episodes and see all the show notes that I generate for the show. Uh, we also continue this conversation as well at our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash nerd tutorial podcast. Um, and then if you want to follow any of the things that we're following here as well, so again, like we follow Star Wars news and Star Trek news and then Harry Potter and now Gundam and um, Animal Crossing. We follow all these cool topics that we've covered here um, throughout our different podcasts on our Twitter page at, uh, on our Twitter account. So that's Twitter underscore tutorial or nerd underscore tutorial on Twitter. And you can message me there with ideas for next top for new topics or um, any sort of comments, critiques and other stuff like that. We'll hope you're happy to hear from you guys as well when you do that. And wherever you're listening to this on a podcast, please make sure you, that you rate us. It actually helps bring us up on the list so we can get more people to listen to us as well. So please make sure that you rate us um, wherever you're listening to this podcast here today. But on behalf of myself and my mom, we hope that you stay safe out there in these weird times. And we'll see you guys again next time. Bye.